whenever my world falls apart I never lose hope or lose heart Whatever the form of the storm that may brew Not with you to lean on, darlings, you Hello and welcome to The Original Cast, a podcast about original cast albums and the people who love them. I'm Patrick Flynn, playwright, filmmaker, and professor of communications at American University. And every episode we invite someone who you'd see in theater, either on stage, backstage, or in the house, to discuss an original cast album they love. And today we are joined by Tony Award-winning actress and writer... Daisy Egan. Hi. Hi, how are you? I'm well, and yourself? Good. Good. You're fresh. You're in between shows right now. Yeah, we had a 10 a.m. matinee. It's <laughs> <laughs> more like this, 10 a.m. matinee. <laughs> yeah. It's a busy day. Thank you yeah. for squeezing it in. And you chose... I chose the Who's Tommy. The... He's got new distracted dogs. Come here, those bubbles and bells. Don't see no light of flashing. He pays my sense of smell. Always hates the replay. You sent me a list of shows to do, but this was clearly your your favorite. How did this show come into your oh your my world? God. My history with this show. First of all, I didn't listen to I didn't go to or listen to a ton of theater growing up. Mm-hmm. Um, it just wasn't part of our lives. Um, so. I didn't have a ton of recordings that I could be like, oh, yeah, I, you know, it really it wasn't until I started working that mm-hmm. I that I got interested. And I thought maybe like Serafina, that was one that I listened to quite a bit um, in Once on this Island, which you'd already right. done. And um, but the reason I picked Tommy, uh, oh my God. I uh, I was a groupie. With this show, oh really? I was. Um, it's it's actually really embarrassing looking back <laughs> on how I behaved. Um, Tommy was at the St. James Theater right after Secret Garden. It was mm-hmm. the next show that went in, and um, you know, my mom had had died about a year after I left the show, so I saw Tommy right. It must have been right around the time that my mom had died, or mm-hmm. very shortly thereafter, and. Uh, and it was at, you know, it was at my theater. And so I would, uh, go backstage. They'd let me go backstage and right. I was sort of just like haunting the theater. Right. They sort of let me do it. I was like the, you know, the ghost of the St. James <laughs> in real form. And, uh, and I got to go all the time for free because, mm-hmm. you know, because I knew the producers. Right. So I just would sit, <laughs> you know, in the back or stand in the back and just watch. And I, I saw it. Dozens and dozens of times. Oh, wow. Um, and then when I picked it for today, I hadn't listened to it in probably 15 years, maybe even longer. So I listened to it again, and it, like, just everything came mm-hmm. flooding back, you know. Smells and sights and sounds and memories and feelings. and. It's a funny show to me because... So you didn't? Did you know the album before you saw? I did the show? not. I did not know like the, the original, original album. album. Yeah. Um, I was, you know, I was, I was into the Who and, mm-hmm. and Led Zeppelin to an extent, and, and the Beatles, and um, but no. And then when I finally did hear it, I was like, "This is all wrong." It's very different. <laughs> it's totally different. Oh, it's funny how it's, it's all like, wrong. Yeah, that is the reaction hear, you have when yeah. you hear a cover first. Like that's the that's version, the version, absolutely. You know? And then you hear the the you know. Like, uh, what was it, Tiffany saying, um, 
I think we're I alone probably, now. But I, I that was her big thing. I think we're alone one. now, yeah. And I, you know, of course, I grew up on Tiffany. So oh, sure. I think we're alone now. So then when I heard. I don't know. Is it the Kinks? It's like something. It's not you the Kinks. Yeah, let's look that up real fast. Ever it, imagine. Yeah. Of course, when you Google it, Tiffany's, it's Tiffany, Tiffany's right? what comes That's up. like I Googled this morning. I Googled, um, I have a brand new pair of roller skates. And uh, Catherine McPhee was who came up. And I was like, no. Not Melanie? No. Oh, no. No, 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 no. No, no. Yeah, it looks like it's, oh, Tommy James and the Shondells. Oh, no I idea. I think we're alone so now. Yeah. But they didn't write it. No, but that's, I mean, I think you and I are about the same age. And yeah, that's, yeah. that's, yeah, that's a Tiffany song yeah. for me <laughs> once and forever. Yeah. This is, it's a funny show to me because the album, the Who album, which is what I heard first, is a very 60s album, mm-hmm. very late 60s yeah. sound. But this is like quintessentially a 90s show to me. It is. Not right. only in the design, because bright colors and all that, and the haircuts, but it is still. <laughs> It it sounds like a 90s recording to me. And it's funny that the music can kind of transcend those two decades yeah. in, in a really real way. I mean, I think, you know, with the orchestrations and certainly the voices, it yeah. it, it certainly brought it into, into the modern era. And I think, like, you know, with the British invasion in the 60s and with punk rock, it was... Your voice didn't really matter. You know? <laughs> like, vocal, vocal quality was not really. Right. You know, wasn't the focus. It was, no, it was sex mood. and it was mood right. and it was loud and it was angry and it was, you know, whatever it was. And yeah. And so when you put a bunch of like professionally trained yes. musical theater singers mm-hmm. and like a full orchestra. Right. Um, yeah, it's it it's, develops this, but it doesn't ruin it. I mean, because we've no, heard, no. I think we've all heard recordings of the well, you know, professional. It was one of the big concerns I had hearing American Idiot, I have to say, which doesn't do that either. Right. But it, you, you, you're afraid it's going to get this polish on it, and you're going to start to notice the songs aren't as quite as well right. written as you remember yeah, them yeah, being, yeah, and all yeah. that. And this doesn't, this doesn't have that yeah. problem at all. The material really it stands up. It does. Yeah. It comes, it comes straight through it. So you saw it a dozen times. Oh I god, think? dozens and dozens. Oh, dozens I'm of times. I'm not kidding. It was bad. wow. I, I had a problem. <laughs> I had. A problem. Um, I went back recently and was looking at my diary from that time, and it's like every single entry is like, went to Tommy tonight, cried, and, you know, I was in love with, like, every single cast member, every guy in the show I just was madly mm-hmm. head over heels in love with, and I I dated the, the little boy who played Tommy briefly. His mother hated me and spread some awful rumors about oh, me. Oh, no. Um, <laughs> and I think, unless they've renovated, which they probably have, but... I believe, oh, Anthony Barilli, who played uh, Cousin Cousin Kevin, Kevin. Mm -hmm. um, is one of my dearest friends in the universe. And I was madly, I mean, madly in love with him. Madly in love with him. You were not alone. Oh, God. (laughs) Um, And again, like, I go back and I read this diary and I'm like, holy God, I really needed therapy. (laughs) Um, But anyway, uh, I wrote under... Buddy, the kid who played to- the 10-year-old Tommy, mm-hmm. I wrote, like, he wrote... Anyway, there was, like, a a, lo- a little love thing written underneath the dressing table that oh. apparently was still there some years later. Oh, wow. So I'd have to I'd have to sneak back in Into there Into the St. James. Yeah. Oh, my. <laughs> <laughs> you were deep in, weren't you? I was you? deep. That's pretty... I was deep. Could you do a synopsis of the show? I think I could. Yeah? Like a, like a brief little... Sure. Um, the Who's Tommy... Is about a young boy who experiences a, a pretty awful trauma when he's very young, um, and his parents basically sort of 
bully him into being deaf, dumb, and blind by saying, like, you can't tell anybody that you saw this. You didn't hear it. You didn't see it. You won't say nothing. Um, and so he becomes deaf, dumb, and blind. He sort of as a reaction to the trauma and uh, is abused by various people. And they discover somehow that he is a pinball wizard and he becomes this huge sensation mm -hmm. There you go. <laughs> uh, as, as this pinball player. Um, and then finally comes out of his, his stupor um, and is, you know, sort of rides this wave of fame for a while. And then, learns the lesson of like it's not it's it's not the fame and the lights that are important it's the love and the forgiveness and the family um and just sort of being able to be in the world as a person and be involved in it mm -hmm. and i and i realized listening to it again why i got so obsessed with it i mean i think it was sort of the perfect storm of of, of you know the situation where it was like my theater mm -hmm. And I was allowed to go there all the time. Um, and it, I think I saw it an opening and didn't really like it. And then I, hmm. for some reason, for whatever reason, I came back and changed my, right. I changed my mind. Um, I think it was so loud and mm. bright. And I think at one point there's like a wall of TVs. Like yeah, there's just absolutely. so much happening. And I think that it was like... I think it was helping me. It was like sensory overload. So I didn't have to think about what was happening in my life. Oh, okay. You know, my, my, my home life was completely falling apart. Mm. And so I'd come to this thing and it would just like, you know, it's like the end of Clockwork Orange. It was just like I was being, you know, <laughs> inundated with all of this information. Right. And, um, and I was boy crazy and there were lots mm -hmm. of boys in it and they were all, you know, gyrating and... It was amazing. Pulling their coats up in that great oh, Wayne Cliento choreography. Yes. Yeah. That was, I remember seeing the video of that when they pull their coats up. The back, I think it's during Pinball Wizard. Yes. And, uh, I just remember thinking, that's a neat move. I don't know why. Like, <laughs> why this, are they It's the least organic thing I've ever seen, but I love the way it looks. It just looks, it looks really nice. And it's in uh, every single photograph from that period. Of course. As the signature sort of, yeah. sort of dance move. This is, I mean, that's really, that's a fascinating place to be with a show like this. Mm -hmm. Um is you, you the sort of idea of home? You sort of said it two or three times. I mean, like the theater, the St. James would have been kind of a home away from home mm -hmm. for you, which now has new people living in it. So right. it's kind of that feeling of going back to the house mm -hmm. you grew up in. But to find that escapism and that in a show like this, which is which goes to some pretty, it's not a purest escape, not pure escapist show. It's yeah. it it, ha, it goes to some pretty dark yeah. places in in some moments and you would yeah, have been no, you know 14 or so so you uh -huh. would have known like, what was going on oh, yeah yeah so you still i mean it, it's funny that the repeated viewings of this you would clearly get you'd get that release so so often through even the the painful times god i was so boy crazy <laughs> well that's the age to be that yeah. though that's the yeah. that's what for i mean you were so you're in New York. You're going to the St. James every night and seeing Tommy, and I'm hanging around the community theater all the time because <laughs> either in the show or not. But like that's where that's where the girls were. Yeah. So that's where you that's where you go, and they'll yeah. talk to you. I mean, that's the other yes. thing. Oh God! And Anthony really took me under his wing, and I think Anthony just saw in me that I needed I needed a friend, and mm -hmm. I needed somebody who was going to pay attention to me and. You know, my father was off doing his own thing, and my sister had um, moved 
away to Arizona. So it was just me and my dad oh, wow. left in this like dark house that we lived in and in Brooklyn and and he was off doing his own thing. And I think that, yeah, I think Anthony, when he met me, just saw that, you know, that I had a, a hole in my soul mm -hmm. that he wanted to try to help mend. Um, and I think he, you know, he really did. He would, he made a point of telling me that he thought I was special and, and beautiful and talented. And um, I don't know, he was like my... He was, I don't know, it's weird. He was, like nice, a, he was like a, an adopted mama cat. You well, know it, it I mean? does feel like, it feels like that, it, it, it can be that really nice, especially if a show, if the show has that kind of community around it, mm -hmm. that you can sort of fall into its loving arms, yeah. even if you're not in the show. If and it is, it's such a strange show for that to be the thing. Yeah. You know, you'd think it would be like, like Secret Garden. Right. Or, <laughs> I don't know, uh, even Into the Woods or... Trying to think of well, family shows tend to have that feeling about yeah. them because there's kids around, so right. people tend to be sort of more family oriented. I mean, it seems I don't I I don't know, but it seems to me that that Fun Home is a show that was it was probably like that. Yes, that it was a very family. It's a show about family mm -hmm. with a family, and they all kind of from interviews and things I've seen, it seems like they all became yes. a very tight family. But this show. is about a family that really couldn't be more broken. Yeah, if it tried, yeah. and even that that the central character is being abused and assaulted from various levels by literally every member mm -hmm. of his family, either through neglect or through active abuse, physical or sexual or whatever. So it, it's not a family show. There are right. kids in it, obviously, but right. it's not a family show. No. And I think, I think also just because I was from New York, you know, mm -hmm. kids who grew up in New York or grow up in New York are a different yes. animal, yes. you know? Mm -hmm. And, um, we, you know, I think at least back in those days, now everybody's got access to everything, so it might be different, but, <laughs> you know, we grew up a little quicker, and, and I was also, you know. Well, you probably grew up quicker than even yeah, most I, of that, yeah. I was working, you know, I started working when I was eight, mm -hmm. and it was the late 80s in New York, and, you know, people were dying, and, right. like, in massive numbers, and people were terrified. And you were in that and, community, too. I mean, you're right in the middle of it, yeah. And we were raising money, and we were raising awareness, and. I mean, you're you're gonna grow up, you know. Yeah, absolutely. I mean? So, so yeah, it made. I think it makes sense in retrospect that that that, that it was this show that I glommed onto rather than Kiss of the Spider Beauty Woman. The I mean, I'm just thinking, well, <laughs> that's well, yeah, Beauty and the Beast. Yeah. That wouldn't be quite. Yeah, that would be that'd be a very different. Uh, yeah, that'd be a different experience. There is, a, I mean, you you strike me from from interviews I've I've seen with you as a very real. Like you like to live in the real world. Yeah. You like you don't like things sugarcoated mm -hmm. or too sad. Like in the other direction, you mm -hmm. seem to live in the. And this show, for being very stylized and being very sort of out there, does has moments of joy, has moments of sadness, mm -hmm. and it achieves this kind of balance, especially with the finale oh, so of being this honesty laid bare, and the main character isn't rewarded for it. You don't need to hear me. You've got ideas of your own. Have to come and cheer me. That's something you've outgrown. You don't need to see me. Your vision makes the scene. Don't let Uncle Ernie make you play on Tommy's old machine.
except but then he finds I mean comes back to the parents which is all he really wanted right. kind of in the first place right. he goes the long way mm-hmm. to come home so it does have a very it achieves this kind of this balance for it that also I think Secret Garden which, which I just talked about last week mm-hmm. that it doesn't shy away from the ugliness of the emotion or of the real world yeah. the character actually the main character going through that can be very appealing to somebody who yeah. doesn't want to be, you don't want Beauty and the Beast. I'm interested in, it, it was a while ago, so you may not entirely remember, but I'm interested in this idea that you didn't like it when you first saw it, if that's how you, I mean, it certainly didn't grab you yeah. by the scruff of the neck, like <laughs> the first time you see it, and and knock you down. No, It might be because I saw it with my sister, who just like generally hates musical theater. Oh, that must be interesting yeah. for her. Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> I mean, she tolerates some of it. Uh, well, she was. I just listened to Broadway, the Broadway backstory episode about yeah. Secret Garden. So she was your date to the Tony yes, Awards. So that was, was that she must was have been a mixed chaperone. evening for. Well, no, I mean she, you know, she she loved Secret Garden, obviously, and she right. loved Les Mis when I was, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just she's not she's not like oh let's go see like okay. I went to see Tuck Everlasting and when that family walked on stage I thought it's such a good thing I didn't bring my sister because she would be murdering herself right oh now. no it's just like we're in a musical and we're walking on stage hey you know um which not is not what tommy's like no not but at all i don't know i don't know what it was i i i think it might have just been like a i don't did you go see a lot of i mean was that just sort of you would go i mean at that point you'd won your tony award relatively recently would you just go see whatever yeah, if i were you going to openings and and, and stuff I, like that I guess I was going. Yes, I must have been. Mm-hmm. I must. I mean, especially if it was the Dodgers, yeah, know, the producers. Um, I was, and I was still relatively relevant. <laughs> um, you know, and then I like became a teenager, and I didn't want to have anything to do with it. And right, I, you know, shaved my head. And, Did you really? Yeah. Wow. You know, I wish I'd had the guts I to was do that. Feeling it. Well, yeah, I'm sure um, you were. <laughs> I was dyeing my hair and smoking and, you know, yeah. I was so cool. <gasps> Weren't we? It was the 90s. Uh, yeah. Weren't we so cool? God, and I look at kids now and I'm like, you're a baby. Why are you so mad? <laughs> 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 Which is pretty much what everyone was thinking of us. I, think, I know. Right? Yeah. I know. Was, um, yeah. <laughs> why are you so why mad? Why are you so mad? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Just <laughs> everything just sucks. Everything, right? It's so terrible all the time. Um, Oh, God, I remember that feeling. Oh, yeah. I remember, like, just going into my room and slamming the door and listening to Tommy. (laughs) The Tommy, turn cranking Tommy. Or, like, the Beatles or or whatever, and just, like, being mad. Yeah. Um, Anyway. And needing an outlet. Yeah, needing an outlet. And, and, you know, this this was, I think this was certainly my outlet. And and it's funny because... When I was listening to it the other day, I realized that I absolutely... Oh, God, look at how sexy Anthony yeah. Borelli is right here. Yeah. I'm telling you, he's like my brother. And I'm still like, <laughs> oh, do it, Anthony. Just... Um, but uh, what's his what's his um, groupie's name in this? Oh, Sally Simpson? S- yeah, I, yeah. I realized that I, I, I literally was. <laughs> oh, really? Sally Simpson. Oh, wow. Yeah, I was like, you know. The show's own personal Sally Simpson. Always there and always, you know. Mm-hmm. Hanging around. Oh, God. 
<laughs> well, you seem to have good. I mean, this nostalgia it seems to be a, on balance a positive yes. memory for you. Yeah, like, it's just like I, the embarrassed I, the way you yeah, are about yeah, things yeah. when you're 14. Yeah, and you're like, oh, I did that. That's yeah. so. I said to a therapist once, I was like, oh God, I was. I was just so awful when I was a teenager. And he was like, yeah, have you met teenagers? They're yeah, pretty awful. They're pretty awful. <laughs> mm. I always, I, I've decided that your 20s are your second adolescence, only you're not at home on mm-hmm. your parents' roof anymore. Yeah, you're figuring it out. Yeah. Absolutely. And you're still a wreck. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Oh, yeah. Which is actually, that connect. I, I really uh, uh, appreciated the letter you wrote to the kids in the School of Rock. Yeah. Because I liked how it's such a, it's something I try to te- tell my high school students, especially, is, is this sort of, they're rushing for success. And I'm like, you might get it, but this is a, this is a marathon, not a yeah. sprint. And just know that. Don't, it's not, because what I liked about your letter was it struck this tone between, I'm not saying this is bad. Right. But just... This isn't this isn't normal. This isn't normal and this isn't it. Like your right. life will continue right. after this in whatever direction it continues right. in. So enjoy it, but also try to look yeah. outside. I mean, one a of the bit. most um successful actors that I know, uh I was in Secret Garden with her. Her name is Jennifer Smith, and she is a workhorse. She has mm-hmm. been in everything. I mean, if you look at her IBDB, it's like everything. And you wouldn't know who she is. Mm-hmm. She's you know, but she owns a an apartment and she owns a house and she you know what i mean she just works and that's her career and she gets to do these great shows on broadway but she doesn't need to be a big giant celebrity right she just she is a working actor Mm -hmm. um and it drives me bonkers when kids say like oh i want to win a tony i want to be you know and it's like Sort of like rude of me to be like, well, don't right. don't strive for that. That's not the goal. They're <laughs> like, well, help you, you already right. did. Yeah. Um, but you know, there was some person that was following me on Twitter, and who knows if this was who knows? It could have been a forty-year-old dude in his right. basement, mom's basement, right? Um, or it could have actually been a young girl. Mm-hmm. But this person kept saying like, oh, I I want to win a Tony. I want to. I, I only have a year left to beat Daisy Egan's record, you know. And I'd be like, and she'd tweet at me directly, and I'd be like, okay, well, you know, I, I follow Good. your dreams. Right. But, like, <laughs> Chase your it's not the be-all, end-all. Right. And then when my son was born, she, they tweeted some weird thing about, I don't know. It was so creepy. Oh. <laughs> She's creepy. She just, like, somehow made my becoming a mother like about her and i was like all right you are a lunatic yeah that's but yeah this idea of like i want to be a star i want to be famous i want to be you know i mean certainly the the financial stability certainly oh it's not to be is nice not to be sneezed at no but then like you know become an accountant but it's it's funny that's what we write that's the message of our art i always go back like every every artist at some point in their career who writes writes a show about how success is not what? the solution. Right. And we just refuse to listen to it. Because that's what this show is about to mm-hmm. a great extent. Yeah. The character achieves stardom mm-hmm. because of his miraculous ability. I mean, they use the word miracle right. to play pinball, <laughs> even though he's deaf, dumb, and blind. And then when he comes out of the trance, he just sort of goes on this whirlwind right. tour to experience... It seems to me to experience the world. Right. And at the end, you know, Sally Simpson says, Tell us. 
Tell us now. How can we be more like you? Why would you want to be more like me? For 15 years I was waiting for what you've already got. What's that? All this. In my dreams I was seeing it, hearing it, feeling it. Those are the true miracles and you have them already. I don't understand. The point is not for you to be more like me. The point is I'm finally more like you. And they hate that message, right. which is, I mean, that's what, it's funny that, you know, all the, the simple life, that's the real message. Like, mm -hmm. that's what we have. That's always the message of, like, these artistic pieces. And then meanwhile, we still. And we also, yeah, it's like we we refuse to learn as as a mm -hmm. society, as a culture, we refuse to learn that lesson. You know, you keep seeing over and over again, like, child actors becoming insane people. Yeah. And, um, and it's, you just want to be like, look at the history. Yeah. It, this isn't, this is what happens. This is, that's. This is the cycle. Right. This is how this is, yeah. That is the normal. Right. A kid coming out of being a giant celebrity and having a normal life, that's not normal. Yeah. Um, I have a student who actually just got cast in School of Rock. She's 11. And I, you know, I've talked to her and I've talked to her mom about like, this is not normal. Yeah. You know, and you're so incredibly lucky to get to do this. And. Where you know, just like I said in that letter, wherever you go, you'll always have this experience, and this isn't the be all end all. Right. Life is going to go the way it's going to go. Right. Well, and especially in a show like that, which is like you're going to lose that job because you get too Grew. tall. Right. Your voice changes, mm -hmm. right? and that is nothing. You there's nothing you did right at all. Right. So that's not fair. Right. But that's that's how that God, when works. I was in Miz, the kids were just living Dropping left constant and right. terror yeah. of being fired for growing. That's so God that breaks my heart. Oh god. And and their parents too were just just fed into it. That is such that makes me see that makes me mad. Oh, that god. really the I, parents on mm, Les Mis were um different shouldn't have been parents. Oh, that makes me unhappy. I yeah. but I totally I believe you. I mean for the most part we've in that generation of kids we've i think we've all i'm thinking back on like eden regal and jeffrey landman and donna vivino and we've all basically grown up on you know relatively yeah. unscathed got through it yeah yeah got through it but there is a i think if i think if the child has a certain amount of perspective yeah like just a tiny bit like i remember in the Broadway back. Got just listen to this, so I'm just going to bring this up a ton. Uh -huh. I'm sure. But you told the story about winning the Tony and then thinking you'd have to walk across the street for yeah. the press conference. Yeah. And that that thought process of being like, I'm not allowed to do that. Yeah. Like that to me seems like that's a child who is thinking past today. That's right. a child being like, that's not. Right. That's irresponsible. Right. <laughs> what yeah. you're talking about right now, and that's unusual. I think for an 11 year old or 12 yeah. year old, whereas like, most kids would be sure. Like I'll walk outside. Mm -hmm. I've always wanted to do this, right, you know, whatever right, right. I'm precocious and that's been rewarded so how, far. How am I going to get back to the theater? Right. Like, <laughs> I have to perform in a little bit. This doesn't logistically, it makes, this no, just sense. makes no sense at all. I don't understand. <laughs> <laughs> that is, I mean, it's yeah. Kids and parents, yeah, parents drive me absolutely oh, drive me up a wall. I, uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Anyway, that's, a, that's a whole, <laughs> well, but there are parents in the show and they're not the best. They're um, not. They're not the worst either, though. They're not though. the worst. I, they're not know, the worst. I, I think that's. I think that was part of the story that I don't remember tremendously well. Is just God Michael Cerveris and his like Keith Haring bandana. 
Yeah. On his head at rehearsals. This book. I brought is in incredible. the, uh, for the listeners at home, I brought in the, what is that? I guess it's Tommy the book, book, right? Yeah, that's the book that you could buy back then. And then also the, the program he got when he went to see the show. Oh and uh, we're, we're musing at all these excellent oh, photographs so from the early 90s. And so much happening. And it oh was God. so, it's this weird, I think I said on the last episode when we talked about Tommy, it's this weird period in history where it's like post Kurt Cobain, but pre rent. Yeah. And like, grunge and that era hadn't made it all the way to Broadway yet. And it was this right. in between like rock and roll, but still bright colors and yeah. like shiny lights and, and stuff, which isn't really the who it's really funny no, to me. Like the who is so stripped down. Yes. I mean, literally and figuring. Yes, absolutely. And you know, smashing down. the guitars and blowing stuff yeah. up. But this is, this is his mainstream nineties. It, it was very comic booky. Yeah. In a way. And all, what's so funny about it to me is that it's so – there's that jacket mode we love. Um, it's so designed, but it doesn't feel – even now, it doesn't feel over-designed. Yeah. It's a, it walks a really, really fine line between yeah. – between that, which is a, such a tricky line between, like, just so much information. Like you say, visual overload. <clears throat> right. But it all feels very – the show is so over the top. The yes. characters are so over the top. It really it absolutely And maybe fits. that's why it didn't really, like, grab me the first time. It might be that I, w- I was coming out of that secret garden school of, like, mm-hmm. theater. You know, <laughs> and here all of a sudden it was Everyone's like speaking RP. Yeah, so, yeah, right. Loud and yeah. bright and yeah. well, and you. So you didn't know the show at all before you went no, to see I it. Didn't. Oh, so no. probably yeah. yeah. I, I wonder about stuff like that. I, I it, it's a, I've seen so few shows knowing nothing okay. about them. And they've always been the best experience. Like, I just saw Come From Away at Ford's. Oh, how was it? I was, I was so sad. Uh, it was, I believe, I said after we saw it, I think we're living in the golden age of music theater. And I really oh, believe that. Because so after Fun Home, which was transcendent yes. for me, and of course, Hamilton being what it is, and now Come From Away, yeah. and, and Dear Evan Hansen in the middle yeah. there. Like, this is, this is an amazing time. Yeah. And I knew nothing about it. I just saw it because everybody was seeing it. Right. And I said to my wife, we have to go to right. see the show. And it, I knew nothing except for the sort of basic sketch of the plot, and it was oh, it was incredible. Yeah. It was so wait. well done. It's going to be great when it when it gets to New York. Yeah, it's it's a these shows that these are the shows I love. The shows that don't that aren't about the things that you expect them mm-hmm. to be about, and the shows that that twist you a little bit. And I think that uh, these are the ones we keep we keep coming back to and coming back to. So you say when you pulled out the recording, it all came flooding back. Yeah. Was all of that, what was your dominant emotion in that sort of poll? Was it, was it on balance happy? Was it on balance embarrassed? Or was no, it on balance, like, where did you? I was, it was definitely, like, happiness and joy. And, you know, and I'm really working hard right now in my life to get to a place where I can <clears throat> be okay with, like, who I am and who mm-hmm. I've been. And, you know, and I, it's not like I grew up in the public eye, like, I don't know, Hillary Duff or whatever. Right. Um, that other one with her tongue out all the time. Miley Cyrus? Yeah. Okay. Um, <laughs> at all. I think from henceforth she will be the other one with all her tongue out all the time. <laughs> but I grew up in enough of the public eye that, like, my community knew who I was, you know? Well, I knew who you were. I yeah. mean, as a 12-year-old kid from Wilmington, right. Delaware, I knew I, I first saw you on um, Sondheim at Carnegie Hall. Oh, okay. Broadway baby. Yeah. And so since then I knew who you, right. you were. So you are. Yeah. No, a little bit. It's a funny thing to say, but like of the people who know you, you're known very well. Like right. it's that. You, but that's <laughs> what I mean. Like my, like my community, like the right. theater, theater folk, you know, mm-hmm. 
but you know, I, I rebelled in a pretty major way and I was resentful, you know, for a long time of my, I guess in a lot of ways, like, like Tommy is when he realizes what's happening. Mm -hmm. I was resentful of my fame and I, and I didn't want to be known for something I did when I was a child. And of course I had questions of like, did I really deserve to win? Or was it like the novelty of like, you know, oh, she's a child. She can walk and talk at the same time. You know what I mean? Let's (laughs) give her an award. Um, And I've had to get to, I'm, I'm working hard to get to a place where I, uh, am, well, A, where I'm okay with all of that. Right. B, where, you know, you know, that moment in your life where you realize like, oh, nobody's thinking about me. (laughs) Oh, yeah. (laughs) You know? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I'm. I'm the only one. Okay, oh, yeah. Got it, got I'm, the, I'm the only one who cares right. this much about, right. about what's going on. You oh, know, okay. for a long time, I moved to Los Angeles for 12 and a half years. And for a long time out there, I was like, everybody in New York hates me. And then I realized, like, no, no. they just, you know. They just don't you. They're just right, not. Yeah, right. you're just not there. If, I, if they think about me, they're like, oh, right, Secret Garden. I wonder where she is. Right. You know, oh, there maybe you if they knew a little bit about what I've been going through, they'd be like, huh, she shaved her head. Hope she's doing all right. You know what I mean? But like, <laughs> no hope that story has a happy right, ending. Right. No one's sitting there going like, ugh. <laughs> she was she was really annoying as a teenager. She she shouldn't have dyed her hair green. Right. She really rebelled. Yeah. Like, hopefully we all come to a point where we're like, ugh, I was terrible back then. Yeah. I think it's called it's called well, it's maturity as yeah. far as I'm concerned. Yeah. And again, that's partly why I wrote that letter to those school of rock kids. Mm-hmm. That I I wish somebody had and, and you can't really teach that. Like, those kids are going to read that letter and go, oh, that's nice. Right. But it's not going to hit them until much, much later in right. their lives. And that's what I hope is that well, that's when it's they useful. come I mean, back. Right. That's, that's they come the, back yeah. to it and they go, oh, right. And then also hopefully their parents read it and go, all right, what can I do to sort of help this along? Yeah. You know, and remind them that, like, being a star on Broadway is not... The, the be all end all. Well, how few or, people get to do it? I mean, it's just how few people even get to Broadway, right? Period. So, right. yeah. I mean, that's I'm looking at the souvenir book, yeah, to bring it back to this, and I'm you know I'm looking at at Roger Daltrey, and he's you know they're like half naked, they've got the hair, they're skinny, they're you know the hubris of of mm-hmm. youth, but also just that it was such a different time in the music industry, like this wouldn't be written today. No. The music industry has changed so much that a band bands don't really form organic and if they do form organically now, they're bought up so quickly right. that they're they become a product so fast. Um I read this really fascinating article because uh, I've always said music stopped being good in 1996. Ooh, good Just, year. Okay. Yeah, I'm that like was that was the year that it stopped being good. All right. Like that that's the cutoff. Wonderwall and then nothing else. Yeah. <laughs> and I read this piece about how the FEC, is that what it is? SEC. The Federal that the Federal Communications Commission? FCC. Yeah, FCC. Mm-hmm. There was some law that got passed in 1996. And so what ended up happening was companies started conglomerating. Oh yeah. And mm-hmm. and so record labels were no longer there weren't the indie labels anymore that were willing to like really take a chance. Like all the indie labels are basically under the BMI or whatever right. Sony umbrella. umbrella. Yeah. So nobody really wants to take a chance and they know what sells and they've, they've um, 
focus grouped everything yeah. to a to a specific. And so, so something like Tommy wouldn't come out organically anymore. Right. Um, and I think we're so lucky that we had, you know, like the sixties, I think were probably the golden age of rock and roll. Mm-hmm. And I like that you said like today is the golden age of musical theater. I love to think that that's right. I, I think it's true. I, I, I think it's the, because that seems to be where the people who want to, because like, what was happening in the sixties when music was become going from the single to the LP in this period before it got into the seventies right. where things got a little bit nuts. Um, <laughs> Which, if you haven't seen, uh, PBS just did a great series. I think called Soundbreaking. It's like a fourteen-part series all about recording music. It's just oh, about cool. the like the progression of recorded music uh-huh. specifically, and it's told kind of non-linearly. Uh-huh. So it's a really great like it jumps all over the place, which I love. Um, but this sort of idea of these of these groups taking time in the studio and mm-hmm. recording and writing albums, yeah. is wasn't like the, it, it seems to have only existed for this period of time between like 1966 with like revolver or rubber right. soul. And then up to like sometime in the two thousands where like the last time people were sitting down going, I'm going to make an with a majority right. of artists were saying, I'm going to make right. an album. We've gone back and forth into singles now. Right. Except well, for like, I guess it started out in singles, right. With the, yeah. with the records and mm-hmm. then turned into LPs. And now we're back. And breaking MP3s, which because, is what, which right. are literally just one song yeah. sound files. I I recently bought Hamilton. Right. Recently. Right. And I was like, this is the first album that I've purchased in a long time. Well, those are the people. That's why I say these are the people making albums. Right. Right. M- music yes. theater is is where, and one of the reasons I started this show is that these are the albums. These will always be albums. Right. Like you will have Their songs stories. from shows that right. people like, and but we haven't had a top forty hit musical number since One Night in Bangkok. Like that was the last oh my God. top forty in America, top forty wow. single from a Broadway show, which used to be a thing. I mean, I say that, that, that it's hard for people, I think, our yeah, age and, yeah, and yeah. old and younger, to remember that like that was where the hits came from. Right, of course. And I mean, what? Maybe you know this. I don't. But like, what was the genesis of like, all right, it's going to be this kid, right? And his his father kills his his stepfather. And they're like, you didn't see it, right? You didn't hear it. You didn't, and he plays pinball. Uh, wait, what if there was a pinball player who was who couldn't see or hear a or, or smell anything. <laughs> well, I don't know why it'd be great. He played, well, that's how he plays. That's the lyric. He plays by sense of smell. Sense of smell. The, uh, I don't know how Townsend came up with the story. I'm sure it was some kind of religious metaphor about being deaf, dumb, and blind, but being a messiah. Okay. I do know that the pinball was yeah. added because they were midway through writing this and they were performing it kind of in segments live to to, to rehearse it. And there was a very important critic coming to hear it. And the critic liked Pinball. So he wrote Pinball Wizard. And that's how that made it into the plot of this show. Yeah. And that's it. That's the whole that's the whole reason that song is in there. Amazing. Yeah. That is amazing. It is just that it is this thing that existed in the sixties, especially in in England, in the recording industry. Of random events being the answer. Yeah, yeah, it's the yeah. sort of like just post acid transcendental yeah, yeah. meditation, like the universe will provide a way right. kind of thing. 
And that is like that is a great example. I mean, like the White Album is basically yes. built on that philosophy. Yeah. And you can see like that's what happens when it goes right. And then like there's a lot of other stuff. <laughs> I mean, talk about a time where people were just like, hey, I've done a ton of drugs. Mm-hmm. Let's write something. Let's try to figure it out. And then we'll put it together <laughs> later. And this guy's coming. He likes pinball. And we'll write a song about that. <laughs> Which is really remarkable about the show that it actually, it does cohere. Oh, absolutely. It, it actually works. I never would have thought that pinball was like an afterthought. Yeah, totally an afterthought. I wonder, I wonder what. The vehicle was going to be for Tommy. To... I don't think he had one. I think in Townsend's original conception, it was a lot more, a lot less plot and a lot more, more just abstract. sort of, yeah, like just sort of whatever, you know, he's in a spiritual journey and, and whatever. <laughs> and because I think it was only after Pinball Wizard that like uh, John Entwistle wrote Cousin Kevin and uh, Fiddle About and like the, a story started to kind of right. form around this, this, right. this character which then, when he and, and Des McEnough took it to write the book of it, I mean, the first thing they seemed to me to do was rearrange a lot of the songs to get songs. Oh, really? Because, like, Sensation is a song in the, in the Who album that's sung on the second disc after Tommy has woken up. Oh. But in the show, of course, it's right. the song Tommy sings when they discover he right. can play pinball. Right. Which just doesn't have a song in the no. in the concept album. It's the first you hear about it is in Pinball Wizard. <laughs> There's some, oh, oh, trying yeah. to catch up. The yeah. serious plot beats, I think, stayed the same. Like, 21's at the beginning, Smash the Mirrors in the middle of Act 2. Right. You know what I mean? Those those hit. Right. And we're not going to take it, obviously, as the finale. But in the original album, in We're Not Going to Take It, Tommy takes his followers and tries to make them deaf, dumb, and blind to play pinball. He's, like, marketing himself to oh, them. Wow. Now you can hear me. Your ears are truly sealed. You can't speak either. Your mouth is filled. You can't see nothing. And pinball completes the scene. Here comes Uncle Ernie to guide you to your very own machine. We're not gonna take it. We're not gonna take it 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 Never did and never will Don't want no religion And as far as we can tell We ain't gonna take you But in the show, of course, yeah. it's reversed. It's a little right. more cynical, but I think a lot more yeah. genuine that the the leader presents the truth and the followers reject. They don't want that. They want the marketing. They should story. revive this. It's a very relevant show. I mean, I think... I'd love to see a stripped-down version of the oh show. Oh, God. You know, like... Yeah. A yeah. story about people just sort of following somebody because... Because whatever. Because whatever. Yeah, because they're lost. I mean, because they're lost and, and, and unhappy. You know, the... the just all of these people did all of these awful things... Do all of these awful things to him. And he... He forgives them. He does. It's funny. I don't know. What's never made clear in the show is how much he remembers. 
Yeah. Of what happened while he was, or how, like how much he was deaf, dumb, and blind. I mean, he could smell, obviously, so he could probably well, tell could people also, apart. He could, yeah, right, and he could also. I mean, he felt he could what feel. was happening. Right. So he certainly was aware, like, when Cousin Kevin was torturing him. Right. The question to me is, like, once he woke up, did he realize, oh, that's the kid who was, like, I feel like stomping on my hand right. and stuff. I feel like I, the way I remember it, he does. Like, in my mind, seeing yeah. it back then, I thought, oh, he, he knows who they are. And he's sort of humoring them. Right. But I don't know. It would be interesting to see it's it today. Yeah, to see if that's the... Yeah. Well, and, and But Uncle Ernie being the most like egregious yeah. of all of them. Yeah. Like, does he... What does he recall and what does he... Do? Now, in the staging of this, I remember from the finale, he does sort of... He's left... I don't remember if Cousin Kevin stays with him at the end or not. After all, everybody leaves. Do you remember? I don't remember. So, I but I text Anthony. Yeah, to find out. <laughs> But even I, I think he does. I think he's left yeah. with cousin Kevin, Ernie, and the parents, and I think he kind of for, like they yeah. kind of come together as this broken little circle at the end. So he certainly does forgive Uncle Ernie. Yeah. At least that's the end of the implication. Um, but it is really left up to. I mean, this this see me, hear me, feel me, touch me, heal me, like whatever that means. Yeah. I don't quite. <laughs> It means whatever you want it to mean. Yeah, I remember seeing it with my parents and my dad, who knew the Who album, being like, "That's what that was about." <laughs> <laughs> when you, if you don't listen to it so much now, what do you? What? What was there any song in particular that like grabbed you now coming back to it that, or moment that you went, "Oh, that's that's you know that's something I'm gonna." Um, stick cousin, with. cousin Kevin, cousin Kevin. I think just I mean that brought back so much. Conflicting feelings about acid cream. Today, it's like the only two people of color in the show. I think yeah. they'd have to try to. Um, but also, yeah, the sequence with the doctor, where mm-hmm. he's like, ding, 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 ding. I'd forgotten about that. And okay. Played, I was like, oh, yeah, he's going through a battery of tests. I don't right. remember. Um, God, I, there's a lot of stuff that, that I've forgotten. Um, and the, the finale, the listening to you is oh, just yeah. glorious. I get 
if you saw the show dozens and dozens and dozens yeah. of times, what, was there any moment that you always looked forward to more than another? How long of a period of time are we talking about, by the way? Oh, God. I mean, oh, ballpark. Yeah, it's all pretty murky. <laughs> but let's see, it opened in, what, 94? Uh, it opened... Uh, this book is from 93. 93, so. April 22nd of April 1993. And closed okay, in June of so, 95. Wow, okay. So it opened just over a month after my mom died. So I went to see this just over a month after my mom died. I was only 13 years old. Um, And then, I don't know, I saw it until it closed, whatever that was. Really? So, like, two years? I mean, it ran for two years. Yeah, yeah. I mean, not, like, every night. Right, but but you kept going back. Yeah, I I kept going back and kept going back. I mean, I think there was a period of time in between opening and whenever I came back, you know, that Mm -hmm. I, I, that summer. Sure. Whatever. Um, And I don't, I think... I wrote about it in my diary. Anthony, um, as cousin Kevin, like gyrating his hips on the pinball machine. I'm sure it was like a really big deal for me. <laughs> um, honestly, I think it was just it was the entire the whole the experience as a whole. You uh-huh. know? There were there weren't like. So did you when you went? You watched the show. You didn't like yeah. hang out backstage I while the show the was show. going on. You actually yeah. watched the show. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Um. So it wasn't just the atmosphere. I mean, it wasn't just the people. It was the show. It was Something the show. About the it was show the was, story yeah. and the and the and like I said, like the all of the the lights and the sounds and the mm-hmm. how how loud it was and how bright it was and and stompy and jumpy, yeah. and, you know, <laughs> uh, and angsty. Well, live. You know? I mean, it's a very for a show about a, a main character who is deaf, dumb, and blind and yeah. can't get around. It's a very active. A live show. I mean, yeah. for want of a better term, it is it is very viscerally alive, which yeah. I'm sure. I mean, it would be it was very appealing to me as a 13, 14 year old. I can imagine you yeah. would be hunting for that sort of thing. Yeah, a it's like bit. it's like in some ways, it's like I want to say kid friendly rock. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? But I don't know if that's well. It's not. I mean, there's nothing atonal or kind of screechy about it. Right. It is very, it's, especially for the Who, who could be pretty right. atonal and screechy yeah. if they wanted to be. Yeah. It is a very melodic score. It right. has a good, you know. But it's different from like, because I think about other rock musicals that came before, like What Hair. Right. And jo- Joseph, I guess. Yeah. Uh, Jesus Christ Superstar. Jesus Christ Superstar. I don't know. But those aren't written by rock right. people. Right. I mean, so to me, yeah. those sound like musical theater people trying to, to be. To write rock and roll. Trying to write rock and roll. Mm-hmm. No. But for some reason, it worked with Tommy. It just really, really worked with yeah. Tommy. I guess it was because there was enough of a plot. The songs were melodic enough. It it feels like the right people at the right time. It would be interesting to see this done again today. I mean, I think it would be, I think Stripped Down would be great. And I think it would be a far more multicultural. I would like it to be. Yeah, it would have to be. There's no excuse for it not to be. Right. There are so many different voices finally Mm -hmm. being able to tell their stories. Yeah. For so many years, it was just old white dudes. Yeah. Over and over and over again. Um, and now we have not old white dudes exclusively right. um, being able to tell their story. And it's like yeah. with it's like within the Heights. It's like, you know, he grew up in a neighborhood where on every corner it was a different kind of music. And so he gets to bring that into his art. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not so homogenous, which I think is... Right. Really beautiful. It is. Yeah. And it's 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 that also that we went through this terrible period, as I'm sure you're acutely aware, 
where I felt like first every musical had to be based on a movie. Like that was the law. And then the law became at some point every musical had to be self-referentially ironic. Uh That was a really weird. And some of those shows are my, I mean, I love Book of Mormon. I love Drowsy Chaperone. Uh I love Avenue Q. They weren't all great though. (laughs) They weren't all those shows. And now we seem to have come to a place where the authors are saying, no, a musical can be genuine whatever right literally whatever and it yeah. may work it may not but it's it's whatever we can have a musical about 9-11 we can have a musical about a lesbian cartoonist whose dad kills himself got a multicultural musical about american history we yeah. can have like we can literally do anything whatever it's so great and the form like that's how i feel that's why i say that that this is the golden age i feel like the form has reached that like when because the golden age of hollywood was when they were like we're making movies about whatever we want right. at, a, at a huge rate and that's how i feel Right now, the problem is they're still really expensive. <laughs> they're too expensive. I don't know why they're so expensive. Oh, yeah, I'm yeah, sure yeah. there's a reason. Like, I, I really believe somebody, there's a reason. I don't, I'm not saying Other it's a good... Other than just, like, greed. Well, I'm not saying it's a good reason. <laughs> I'm just saying I believe there's a reason. Aye, aye, aye. That's what That's my dream, and that's my hope, and I hope I'm right. <laughs> I hope uh, you are, too. And I hope it lasts a while. Because yeah. I've, been, I've been out of the game for a long time, so... I wouldn't mind being back during the golden age. That'd be good. That's a good time to, yeah. yeah. It's exciting. I was thinking about that recently about, it is, it's a really exciting time and and who knows what's going to be coming coming down the pike and, and I'm excited that I get to be here for it. That's good. Yeah. That's great. Well, it's funny to, I mean, you had the great, hopefully the great advantage of having been, you were there Mm -hmm. at one point and now you're coming back around in another it's, in another iteration. It's, yeah, it's it's a it's a rare experience. Yeah. I feel very lucky to be going through this and and in a lot of ways I'm like going back and, you know, healing that little girl <laughs> who had to go to Tommy to right turn off her to brain. find what she needed to um It's is, very lucky for you that it was there though, I think. Uh, that it, yeah, yeah, that you were able to that the next show that went into the St. James wasn't, was that? I don't know what, but know, it was. Like that the was. music man. So you listened to it once in prep mm-hmm. for here. Mm-hmm. Where where are you with it now, do you think? Like, I think it... that I, I literally think I, I might have it on frequently. I yeah. mean, the problem is, is that nowadays I'm listening to podcasts. Right. Like these, you mm-hmm. know, true crime is my is my thing. Like, really? Oh, I love true crime. Oh, okay. I'm such an addict. So like and, cereal was like your like. Oh, love cereal. Although even better than cereal, in the dark. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. so good. And The Accused and Sword and Scale. Oh, wow. And You're all over it. Crime Town. There's something I just started listening to yesterday that's really good. Oh, I love it. Oh, wow. Um, and my, you know, my best friend, Patrick Hines, who does the Theater People podcast mm-hmm. and the ba- Broadway Backstory, he's like, have you listened to my episode yet? And I'm like, no, I will. <laughs> he's like, you don't love me. And I'm like, I do. I just, just so love much. true crime more. So that's the problem is that I'm always listening to true crime. What kind of Except if Monty if my son's around, I could I could easily put on Tommy and I think he'd, really he'd get into it. it. Either one, probably. Yeah. My it's son different. really likes rock and roll. He likes classic rock, he likes uh cheap trick, the Beastie Boys, he likes the Who. He, he likes, likes a beat is what he, he likes. likes I'm hearing, yeah. Um yeah, he loves a beat. Loves a good beat. Yep. Uh what's the one that oh Journey, he loves Journey. <laughs> <laughs> He really loves Journey. He loves Journey so much that uh, he calls um, Don't Stop Believing, he calls it Streetlights. And so the other day I was oh. looking for that song and I literally put in Streetlights. Street and I was like, right, that's Street not what it's called. No. Yeah. That's the word he picked up. Oh, though. and and also one of his big songs right now is um, Bohemian Rhapsody. Oh, well, And he goes, yeah. I'm just a cool boy from a cool 
And I'm like, huh, all right, sure. Oh yeah, whatever. I mean, it's true. Yeah, but... my son likes Queen right now. We're nice. in, we're big. We're into Queen. Yeah, I know the one bites the dust. He thinks it's just oh yeah the best song. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I grew up. Song. My dad was big into music, and I grew up listening to Hall and Oates and. Mm-hmm. The Who and uh, the Beatles, obviously yeah. the Beatles. Yeah, the Beatles are the best. You really can. I just came up one more question yeah. about the show. When do you think he learns it's not about the lights and the fame and the and all that, and it's really about the family? I think it's in that uh, that moment right before. Oh, when he sings "Be One of Us." Uh, Toward the end, they're sure. like, "There's more at the door. There's more at the oh, door." Oh, when he forms the, the I mean, when he door. just brings everybody home. Yes, I mean, yeah. And then he sort of he's like, "Wait a minute," and they're and they're yeah. And then I think that's when Sally says, "I want to. How can we be more?" Like yeah, because that's I think the, in the show, Sally Simpson happens. She gets knocked off the stage. He goes down to her, mm-hmm. and that's when he's like, "I've had enough. I think I'm gonna go back home now. Suss everything out." I'm going home. But you can all come if you like. Yeah. You've all got families, right? Come and be a part of mine for a bit. See what it's been like for me. Come to my house. Be one of my family's people. Lovely bright home. We're dancing all night, never sleeping. So you think, think it happens think that late? Okay. I, but I think that's like a, the the germ of the idea of like, this is too much. I can't. Mm-hmm. This is getting out of control. Sure. I don't want this, but I still want all of the attention. Right. You know? Yeah. I mean, I you know, I think in some ways it's like those child stars who like go off the deep end. It's like, I don't want to be a, a celebrity anymore, but I still need everyone's attention. Right. So I'm going to act out in crazy, right. freaky ways. Um, I think, you know, for, for Tommy, the character, he is like, I, I don't want this. That's step one. I don't, <laughs> like, this is out of control. And then when he realizes that all these people are are glommed onto him for the, they don't know him. Right. Um, and he doesn't even know himself. You know, I think that's the second moment of like, wait a minute. Yeah. This is not real it's also interesting this idea of like him staring at himself in the mirror for years and years and years because he was looking in the mirror i guess when when, when the, the tra- father killed right. the lover he was right. looking in the mirror yeah so he stares in the mirror and then he doesn't get broken out of this thing until his mom smashes Smash. the mirror yeah. which is an interesting sort of symbol or metaphor there's a lot of like half-baked metaphors yeah. in the show that are great. I don't know if they. The point, I think Tommy actually does need more self-reflection, whereas in that moment it's like stop reflecting on yourself. But I think as a person, he needs to reflect more. He need like yeah. In order for him to really grow, he's going to have to figure out who he is. But maybe there's that moment, you know, teenage teenagerdom. You know, it's all about. So mad? It's all about. It's all about me, 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 me. Right. Right. When we get to that point, like I don't know. Well, there is a difference between self-reflection and staring at yourself right, in the mirror, and right. I wonder if that's like. Again, the show doesn't give you a lot, yeah, so you can kind of put. And I wonder if this is one of the things that appealed to you when you were going to see it. That you can kind of put whatever you want on mm-hmm. this show, yeah, and it works. Right. If you fill in the holes, right. then it works. Yeah, and if it works for you. And it works. And it worked for it. I mean, it ran, like you say, for almost 900 performances. So yeah. it obviously 
It worked for a lot of people. Uh-huh. It's great. It's a great show. Well, this was great, Daisy. Really fun. Thank you so much for coming down Thank and you. making time. So you're doing Secret Garden at Shakespeare. <laughs> oh, right. <laughs> until uh, when do you guys, so for the rest of the month? Is yeah, we're there? here uh, at the Shakespeare through the end of the year, probably. Pro- okay. Unless we extend like by a week. Okay. Right. So you might so extend a week into January. Right. So it's but... Tuesday through Sundays, um, various times. It's such a beautiful show. And, I, you know, it's high time for... I think so. For it to come back. Absolutely. So. And, and it's can... a thrill to be to be back in it. I was going to ask you, but yeah, so, I mean, you've talked about that on other shows, but you, you really do seem very genuinely it's, happy to I be really back am. in this show. I mean, you know, but I've also come to a place in my life where I'm just sort of, like, grateful, you know? I love to work. Yeah. So I'm happy to be working. There are nights where I'm like, I'm going to be listening to Lily's Eyes for the rest of my life. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be... 85, sitting in a green room. She has her. Oh, God. When is my entrance? Just that's. And then after this, is there anything you can talk uh, about? There, Well, there's a bit of a break. And then we're going to do it again in Seattle. Okay. Secret Garden at the Fifth Ave. And then We'll knows? see. Right. I'll be on Lena Dunham's podcast coming up soon. Uh, Women of the Hour. And people can follow you on Twitter. At Everything is Daisy Egan, and That's it's E A G A N. So Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat. Yes. Yeah. Um, I'm writing a lot. Yes, I'm, which I'm excited to see what comes with that. Thank you. I'm yeah. right, I'm working on something right now with a, a paper to see if we want to do like a. I'm trying to see if they want to pay me. Is yeah, the that's always the trick, isn't He's it? He's like, well, is that going to be a deal breaker? And I'm like, well, I like to get paid for my work. Let's see. It's <laughs> you know, sort of my time, yeah. my talent. Yeah. Get to an age where I'm like, I don't like to work for free anymore. No, nope, can't. Uh... <laughs> well, what about experience and exposure, right, right? right? Those are the things you really yeah, work for. I you lived in L.A. I'm sure I, you got those uh, phone calls all I the time. I have I've exposed myself the original cast was recorded at the Media Production Center at American University. Special thanks to Jeffrey Madison, Tom Fish, Imani Mular, and the tireless staff of students who run the front desk. Follow us on Twitter and like us on Facebook at OriginalCastPod. You can follow me, Patrick Flynn, on Twitter at UnknownPenguin. You can email us at OriginalCastPod at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. Subscribe to us on iTunes, and while you're there, please leave us a comment and a rating so other people can find the show. My thanks to Daisy Egan for coming down and talking to me today. I'm Patrick Flynn, and I can't. I have rehearsal. Ah!